This is Shia Jashub, a Bible study program brought to you by the Fellowship of Shia Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Welcome. My name is Patty Scalzo, and in today's program, my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, continues the study series on Heavenly Authority. We will rejoin him as he continues to speak about the man of God versus the prophet of God. Last time we left off with the prophesying of King Saul of Israel from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 19, verses 23 to 24. Here is Pastor Greg. Now remember, Saul here is a tragic, rebellious, sinful figure who is not in the place God wants him to be. He's not in the will of God, and actually he's in a very dangerous place outside the will of God. And if you continue to read the life of Saul, you see he comes to a terrible end. And in this rebellious state, trying to kill God's anointed servant, David, when he comes into the presence of the prophets, just like at the beginning, the Spirit of God comes upon him. He prophesies from day and all night long. He tears off his clothes before the Lord and he prophesies there before Samuel. And so we see it once again. We saw it with the 70. We saw it with Miriam and Aaron. We saw it with Balaam. And now we see it with Saul. The heart might not be right, and yet they prophesy. Though not like Moses, who sees the form of the Lord, who is faithful in all God's house, and to whom God speaks plainly. And yet, the Spirit of God can come upon them, and they can prophesy. And there's an important lesson from that. Even in the New Testament, we have Caiaphas, the high priest, the one who tore his clothes and accused Jesus of blasphemy and took Jesus and handed him over to Pilate to be crucified. And yet earlier on we read in John chapter 11 verse 47, then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, what shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, Everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and not that the whole nation should perish. Then John says in verse 51, now this he did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. Then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. Because of his position as high priest, he received a true prophecy. Caiaphas was anointed by the Spirit. That was a true prophecy. Jesus would die for the nation. And not for that nation only. He would gather together in one 
all the children of God who were scattered abroad. And Caiaphas receives the anointing of the Spirit. He receives the prophecy. And how does he interpret it? Well, it's better that this man dies than the Romans come and take our place away. And so he sets his face toward killing Jesus. See, the prophecy was from the Lord, but he interpreted it wrong. That which came out of his very lips, which is God's scripture, did not benefit Caiaphas. Rather, it made Caiaphas become an enemy of the Lord because Caiaphas' heart was not in the right place. The end result was, from that day on, they plotted to put Jesus to death. He took the wrong side because the heart was wrong, so the anointing did not benefit him whatsoever. Remember how when we started this section of the man of God versus the prophet of God, we read that prophecy in Numbers chapter 12 where the Lord told Miriam and Aaron, then he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Joseph in the Old Testament tells us plainly about these things. In Genesis chapter 40, in verse 8, And they said to him, We each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God. Do not interpretations belong to God. What's meant from the anointing, the word that comes out of the prophecy, God must interpret it. And only if the heart is right will we understand the interpretation. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar questions Daniel, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. All these people that try to tap into spiritual realms with their occultic practices, they can't tell the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. And he goes on to explain. Only the God in heaven can reveal the secrets. Nebuchadnezzar is blessed with this dream, but only God can interpret what was meant. The interpretation belongs to God. One last biblical example brings home these points. Solomon, David's son, and you see here about leadership, how people anointed to leadership can fall. We saw it with Saul. God anoints him, and then his heart becomes wrong before God, and he has a terrible fall. And now you see with Solomon. Solomon was given a covenant, a special covenant by God. In 2 Chronicles 
chapter 7, verse 17. This is the contract. The Lord tells him, as for you, if you walk before me as your father David walked, and do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom as I covenanted with David your father, saying, you shall not fail to have a man as a ruler in Israel. Even the Gentile queen of Sheba understood this blessing, this anointing from God upon his servants. In 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 8, she says to Solomon, Blessed be the Lord your God, who delighted in you, setting you on his throne to be king for the Lord your God, because your God has loved Israel to establish them forever. Therefore he made you king over them to do justice and righteousness. When she sees all the blessings that Solomon has and his wisdom and his splendor, she knows that blessing, that anointing comes from God. And she understands that God has done such, has placed Solomon in this position of authority to do justice and righteousness. To do justice and righteousness. And that's the responsibility, that's the purpose of the anointing. But Solomon sinned. Solomon sinned greatly. In 1 Kings chapter 11, you read in verse 1, But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it was so, when Solomon was old, that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord, as did his father, David. He built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Moloch, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel who appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this and have not kept my covenant, my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days for the sake of your father David. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear the whole kingdom. I will give one tribe to your son, 
for the sake of my servant David. And that's what happened. Because of Solomon's sin, that's why you have the division of northern Israel from southern Judah. His son Rehoboam deals foolishly with the tribes of Israel. He threatens to increase the yoke upon them. And so Solomon's servant, Jeroboam, is chosen. And you read in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 28, the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing that the young man was industrious, made him officer over all the labor force of the house of Joseph. Now it happened at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah met him on the way and he had clothed himself with a new garment and the two were alone in the field. Then Ahijah took hold of the new garment that was on him and tore it into twelve pieces and said to Jeroboam, Take for yourself ten pieces for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give ten tribes to you. If you have any comments about the program, or if you have been led to make a donation to help support the ministry of Shear Jeshub, please send all correspondence to Shear Jeshub, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. Sheer Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Please join us next time as we continue our Sunday service message. We will see what happens in the life of Jeroboam, and we will find out what Pastor Greg's last example is of the man of God versus the prophet of God.